Guys, everyone knows that unchecked anger can be very dangerous, and fury is no exception. Unless we're talking about a T-Fury. T-Fury is the original pop culture t-shirt destination selling unique designs every day since 2008. You can snag their shirts for only 24 hours starting at midnight. Guess what that means? Midnight to midnight. Do the math. Missing a shirt from the past and want to get it again? Head to the T-Fury Gallery where you can buy some old designs still in print and vote on others to come back from the dead. Every two to four weeks, T-Fury adds more designs to their gallery, so be sure to keep an eye out for the turn of your favorite shirts. T-Fury shirts cover all your favorite topics and fandoms. they got everything from gaming, sci-fi, anime, TV, movies, pop culture, and all the other things we do instead of our work uh and uh, their t-shirts change daily so check back as often as you'd like I would say every second would be excessive. Uh, also, don't forget about the T-Fury after-hour sale. If you miss a day's shirts by only a little, they keep the sale going into the wee hours of the morning just for you. I'm talking to you, Night Owls. Check out tfury.com backslash Nerdist and see what today's shirt is all about. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 98 of the JV Club with my guest, Danielle Gaither. Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of background on Danielle. She's an extremely talented actress, singer, and improviser. I had the uh, very, very big pleasure of working with Danielle on a pilot um, that we shot together, God, maybe like seven years ago, something like that. And uh, it was also the place that I met Danny Pudi for the first time, who uh, is on Community. It was just a really, really fun pilot with a lot of really great people. And unfortunately, did not go to series, but um, but uh, it did introduce me to the wildly talented Danielle. And um, I'm always so excited when I see her. She also participates in an amazing show at the Groundlings Theater uh, called The Black Version. And uh, they just were up at Sketchfest as well. It's basically an improvised show show um, that uh, takes its suggestion from the audience. It's a suggestion of a movie. And uh, and then they do what they dub the black version of it. And it is fucking hilarious. Guys, sorry I had to curse, but it just really is very funny and wonderful. So if you're ever in LA, I do recommend that you watch it. Um, uh, I want to get into some shout outs. Still catching up on the shout outs. Still catching up on the shout outs. But I did want to thank uh, Amy Y uh, for the lovely email. Ashley for sending Sending me the uh, information on the Tron mashup with Cora. I ordered this poster. Um, I tweeted about it. I'm so excited because Tron is uh, definitely the original Tron, one of my all-time favorite films. Um, and uh, I can't even tell you how overjoyed I am that that my character Cora got uh, got mashed up with with Tron. So super excited about that. Thanks for pointing that out, Thomas. Thanks for your email on Twitter. I want to thank uh, that Nerdnip and Tim K. Uh, Tyree, thanks for your email. Nissa, I just want to tell you, you are a heroine, my dear. Um, Caitlin M., uh, wearing my bow tie, thinking of you. And uh, on the Zandy Nerdist page, Jupiter, Coastum44, PJ, Amy, Zuri, Andrew F., and Alec. I haven't gotten a chance to actually weigh in and comment on the page, but I wanted to thank you guys for all your great feedback. Um, that's it. Uh, I want you to enjoy this episode 98. I mean, listen, that's what I want for every episode. It'd be super weird if there were some episodes I didn't want you to enjoy. But um, I, I hope you're looking forward to it. It, uh, as much as I am to you listening to it. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. You 
never know what a guest is going to bring. Uh, sometimes they don't bring anything. I think frequently people have nothing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know what lies inside these beautiful <laughs> notebooks. We haven't explored that yet. But what I can tell you, uh, to try to describe this as best I can, I'll take a picture of it as well, is one um, uh, notebook that has a basket of cartoon strawberries and a bug on top of it. But it is, as I see now, and you pointed out, yes. brand name Strawberry Shortcake. Interesting that she's not the focus here. This is like, you like strawberry shortcake, but you really yeah, want yeah. to see strawberries, <laughs> which you wouldn't be. And then you have uh, Garfield. <laughs> Garfield, dot of the eye colored in. Now, what is Emily again? Because you um, tell us, it's a sequel. The, cover of this. the strawberry shortcake is a junior fiction, whatever, you young adult fiction novel that I wrote in sixth grade. And then in eighth grade, I followed up with a sequel called. Well, I will, well, should I say the titles? Please. Oh, yeah, so the original one was called Who Cares About Emily? And the follow-up was Emily Again. Oh, because it's a sequel. You <laughs> exactly. already have that. You already knew the basic principles of right. the sequel. Could be Emily, comma, T-O-O, exclamation That's mark. That's true. It's about a different Emily. <laughs> yeah. A different but related Emily. Yes. You knew Emily Again. Yes. Emily Again. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's more to be said. Emily's a problem. Now, is Emily written in the first person? Uh, Emily is the best friend of a character that I chose to name Alyssa Tinker for Wonderful. I don't know why. Wonderful. None of these have been edited since their original inception in the 80s. I can't believe that you have. But I've held on to them because I thought maybe there's something there. Maybe I can type those yes. up and then, and then you start typing it up and realize how terrible it is <laughs> and give up. But listen, I, I am so... I'm so impressed that you wrote something that was longer than like a page yeah. just for fun. <laughs> just for that fun. Age, that's yep. really impressive. I mean, I I like I fancied myself a writer, but I don't think I was ever I would maybe get like 7 pages into something tops and then be like, hey, "I'm over this." Yeah. Not, I was I was so I would write now. a lot and then junior high when we started learning how to write. Yeah. Is it man versus man? Is it man versus nature or is it man versus himself? And <gasps> Are these paragraphs this or that? And then I started kind of questioning the flow. Right. But I do still like to write longhand. And if I can get a cutesy notebook, I feel like I have a magic with that. I don't disagree. I mean, I do enjoy a notebook. Do you feel that you get, do you still get like the large eight and a half by 11 size? Um, I try, I get the eight and a half by 11. But then I feel a little embarrassed, so I get the college rule. Right. Because when you get in college, you're supposed to write smaller, <laughs> and that's how you know that you're in college. That's right. So it's like, it's wide. And then I just wrote, when I felt the notebook running out, I just ended the story. There was oh, no concept okay. of, just keep writing and get another notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, like, that's no. <laughs> too, though. It is. It's like... Uh, it's it's very it is very structured. It's sort of like the idea of the sonnet. Like yeah, right? like, there's specific rules. This story cannot be longer than a notebook. Yeah, and I'm um, wondering, I don't know how many pages it would come out to typed, but maybe I'll maybe I'll transpose it. And so this is the these each one of these is the entire story of Emily. Right. And I didn't. And you did write on the back. And I had yeah. I, I wrote a little. You know, I had the whole little blurb about what it was about. Will you please read this. Please read the blur. Okay. I mean, when Elisa Tinker and her friend Emily get into a fight, it ruins her life. She says she doesn't care, but she needs Emily. She's her friend. Emily has a lot of friends, but none of them like Alyssa. Can she end the fight, or should she destroy Emily? One small secret can ruin her forever. And I didn't even know what the secret was when I wrote it. I just made it up. <laughs> This is amazing. Okay, so that's book one. Yeah, and then book two is... Who cares Ali about Emily? Yes, and then 
Emily again, the sequel, the much-demanded sequel. Elisa Tinker and Emily Baxter haven't spoken in five months. Oh. Now that Alyssa has regrets about being bu- oh, betraying Emily, she's determined to resume a friendship and help stop Emily from destroying herself. Oh, Will she succeed, or should she just forget Emily again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and some friend of mine has written here, Oh, God, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I am so impressed. <laughs> I know, I well, back when I had potential. Around. Yeah, that's how Back I when I had, too. like, no stops. I read all of the old stuff, and I'm like, God, I was so just, like, balls out. I know. You know like, <laughs> this, I wasn't thinking through, like, no one likes me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, this is... Okay, so I understand what you just said about this idea of starting, like, thinking of a hot sizzling idea, but really yeah. having no idea where it goes yeah. or what the secret is. So when you started writing... So are you telling me that you, through the entire story, we never know what the secret no, is? No, you find out. You do. But, but I just, I just let it kind of come it, to me. I just let it come to me and then it just kind of popped what it was going to be. Yeah. And did anyone else read these? Did oh, yeah. Friends? People yeah. would. I'd be right because I had downtime in sixth grade and then I, a friend of mine wanted to read it and then it would get passed around and people would ask me if I'd written more. Then my teacher wanted Wait, to read this it. It's amazing. <laughs> you were like, well, who do I want to say? I could Charles have been Stephanie Dickens. Meyer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, could, I, I, mean I had if this had been about vampires. Sure. Sure. And so what happens in the course of their friendship? And sort of um, like- basically, the girl who was pretty much me, I guess that was the um, next question, uh, gets invited to a slumber party at the best friend's house. Yeah. And they all, all the other girls smoke cigarettes. They get dared and a pack of cigarettes like come out. Going. And she, my character, of course, says no and is the goody two shoes. And then all the other girls sort of turn against her in a pack. And then she basically, somehow it gets reported to the school or outed to the school. The girl gets expelled. And then she finds out that her best friend's parents are getting divorced. And maybe she was evil to also get her expelled uh, on top of the divorce. So Alyssa gets expelled. No, uh, Emily gets expelled. Oh, Emily Alyssa gets, gets Emily gotcha. expelled. Gotcha, gotcha. I had this thing with the name Alyssa for, for a while. Yeah. I don't know why. It sounds kind of mean, although I do know. Yeah. Alyssa. <laughs> so how much of that is autobiographical? Um, you know, like looking back when, when I read it, it's like, oh, that was totally me. Like some of the relationship, the smoking thing, none of that ever happened. Yeah. Um, I was the one that got expelled in eighth oh. grade. So it was a weird flip. Oh, I mean, you could psychoanalyze. Oh, yes. Grade. One of my proudest moments. I bet. I bet. I bet. What happened? Um, I was basically, what was the word he used? It's time for us to part companies. Uh, I had been sent to the principal's office a number of times for just, you know, I went to a school that had a really small, like there were only 22 people in seventh grade. Oh my gosh. Okay. And wow. Where was it? It was very clicky. It was in Maplewood, Minnesota. Okay. Private school. And the school had just started like two years ago. So they didn't even have a senior class. Like the whole entire student body was maybe 300 people or something like that. And basically, it was two cliques against each other. But of course, the clique that was two black girls, a half Mexican. No, I think she was fully Mexican. To the two black girls, the Mexican and the white transfer student were deemed the bad clique. We were a gang. Oh, no. At this school, we were considered a gang. And then the other school, I mean, the other clique was the headmaster's daughter and her three friends. What a gross cliche. <laughs> Isn't it? Ugh. And so... Amazing. It was, was an all-girl school? Um, it was, it was co-ed. It was, okay. 
Some private schools I never know. But yeah, you know what's interesting though? I guess by the, by sixth grade, I had already been suspended from school, like in third grade for some fight. And like someone tripped my friend in gym and then I like pushed the person. And then of course I got caught and sent to the principal's office and I had to get suspended for five days. Naturally. And then my dad, I was like, oh, I really did it now. And then my dad came and picked me up. He didn't say anything the whole ride home because I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to get comes. it. And then... He did, you know, it was just sort of that silent death sort of a thing. He didn't say anything. And then I was cool until like, but I was always getting sent to the principal's. Talking back to my Spanish teacher was this very like macho kind of sexist. He was a Cuban man who, he was a very good Spanish teacher. But he was also incredibly like chauvinistic. And I would call out every incident of like gender inequality that would take place in the class. And they didn't really know what to do with me because I was also like the best student in the class. I was totally like, that was my best subject. So he was always, you know, any like, you fluttered your eyelashes, go to the principal. Ugh. You stuck out. It's like, I didn't stick out my tongue. I made a snarky face. <laughs> but it is interesting as a, as a young person to feel like, because I feel like I had a couple situations like that with teachers also where I figured out where their buttons were. Yeah. And then as a young person, <laughs> Like, what are you gonna do? Not push them? Yeah, you know I mean? and yeah. I was like, an, I was like going through a bunch of stuff when I was that yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Who so wasn't? I was super angry all the time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And like the last thing that I wanted to do was like buckle under authority, even yeah. though I was a smart, good student. Yeah, 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 anyway. yeah. And so I totally relate to everything that you're saying. It's like, and then it be, and then it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Like exactly. well, they treat you like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Of exactly, you're act like exactly, that, exactly. And then round and round. It's like this is fun now. Yeah, yeah, this is, oh, okay, I'll be, this, this is my role. All right, <laughs> yeah, exactly, I got it. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, listen, I hate to dive right into it, but you brought it up, and now I have to feel, I felt like I want to ask about it, but I've, I also had, uh, I felt like, I feel like in certainly in elementary school and also a little bit in junior high, there was a little bit of that um, kind of like the richer, whiter kids. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the sort of raggle taggle. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely was a part of. Yeah. The sort of raggle taggle, like, what are, like, how, what? Um, just like weird mixed families and mixed race families. And yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, just raggle taggle. And, uh, and I had a real awareness of, like kind of wanting to be a part of that group, but also being like really proud and smug that I was in like the the, the real person group. Yeah, like, yeah, real, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I guess I'm. I mean, it's it's hard not to ask because you brought up like you know this idea of these two cliques, and coincidentally, the ones that had non-white people in it yeah. being considered and were the gang. headmaster's daughter. Yeah, I know. Well, like, did, were you? Did you have an awareness of that too? Because uh, oh, you know, totally. You sort of, yeah. yeah, I mean. I'm in an all basically, I mean, I went to private school except this one year of sixth grade. I was in public school and that was when I wrote the book because I had so much downtime. It's like, well, I'm done with the homework already. Just oh, we did this last year. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> but it was the first time. I mean, I had also lived in North Carolina. So that was the first time where it was like, oh, someone will just actually call you the N word like on the first day of school to like test you. Did you move around a lot? Um, kind of. I mean, we lived, I was born in Minnesota, and then we moved to North Carolina for three years, because that's where my family's originally from, and then we moved back. Okay. And and how old were you so when I was you used moved to, being to North Carolina? The, I was, was uh, I guess grade? I was eight. I was okay. eight. So that All was right. like third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Then I came back for sixth grade to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But So I was used to like being the only black person. But it had never... I guess it's a combination of the, hor- you know, the horrible creature that is a junior high age girl... 
But definitely it was like, and I would say that, like, we're a gang. We're not a gang. We're friends. <laughs> right. And I think we had caught, we, we actually, we did create a name. We were like more of a club. Like if we had been a sorority, if we had picked, you know, our name was, what were we? The Rumbling Knights. Oh. But we didn't come up with that name until, like you said, after it was like, oh, okay, so we're that now. Okay, yeah. well, let's get a name. Let's yeah. get a club. But also, like, what is the difference between a club and a gang? <laughs> like, if yeah. we're saying that a gang just means that you're violent, I guess exactly. then that's the only difference. Because like, that was always my thing. Like, please. I didn't bring a knife to school. I yeah. didn't do anything. I never, you know, Because I feel like I'm the a popular victim. kids were a gang in the sense yes. that I was emotionally abused yes, by them. Yes, right? totally. So, they were horrible horrible people i mean and because you know they had all known it that was the thing the school when the school was founded they were all in sixth grade so they were in at the ground floor so then even coming in in seventh grade they already knew each other yeah such a small group it was yeah it was terrible even like you'd be in gym class and it'd be fifth graders through 10th graders so you'd be playing dodgeball against like 17 year old boys perfect horrible like gym class was another Always a sore spot. And it sounds like it breeds defensiveness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it would have to breed like a certain, like it feels like you could go either way. You could like try to ingratiate yourself into that world or you kind of toughen up. Yeah. To that and I don't remember. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I ever, how I became friends with like the other girl, she had just moved there also. Her mother was like, had gone to Harvard and was becoming a doctor. And so she had just moved there. So it was like, you know, yeah, all the outcasts. And then like the what, because there was a dress code, of course. You didn't have uniforms. And it was like, no lug-soled shoes, no jeans. I don't know what no that sneak. means. Yeah, it's like, what's a lug-soled boot? Or Vibrams. Apparently, they're, they're like boots. Okay. And then no sneakers, no jeans. So the first day, the Mexican girl, whose name was Sherry. I shouldn't keep calling her the Mexican girl. She was wearing tight jeans and Nikes. It's like, didn't even, it le- didn't even read the thing that was right. like, you're totally out of uniform on the first day. You're done. Mm-hmm. And the headmaster's daughter was wearing like a floral sundress. <laughs> I totally remember it. Like, I can oh, describe that dress cliche. in detail. <laughs> oh, my God. Horrible. And that's the thing, too. It's like, what's, what are the parameters here? It's not like you guys are prettier than we are. Yeah. It's certainly not like you're smarter than we are. Yeah. You're not, you don't really appear to exhibit any kind of personality. But then it's like, oh, my God, she Frenched Jared. They Frenched. Because that was the other thing. Like, I was a person that's like, I'm never going to get a boyfriend. No one's ever going to like me. Right. No one's going to date the black girl. Even my friend who was black had a boyfriend at one point. Like, they were going out. I'm like, I'm never, I was just convinced, like, I'll never have a boyfriend. No one will ever like me. I'm just going to focus on school. How did you feel like you, you're being very matter of fact about it now when you kind of talk about the way of feeling that? But did you, did you feel. Like, you know, I just had so many emotional ups and downs, when, yeah, especially but, junior high and high yeah. school. Were you like agonizing over it or were you really trying to be um, that kind of like, you know, pragmatic about it even then? I was, no, I was totally, I was agonizing over it. I had a crush on a guy. I would always be the person that would like, you know, I have a crush on my science partner. And we had, we would, the guy, you know, like I had guys that I would, oh, we would, we would go to the, at the dance, we would hang out and just like talk smack about people in the corner. We wouldn't dance. But we were like friends. But yeah, it was definitely like, okay, I guess I'm ugly then. Or I get, and plus it was that year of, I've stopped getting taller, but I keep getting wider. Because mm. every year before camp, you'd have to have a camp physical and they would weigh you, which was mm. like, oh God. So then knowing your weight 
And being one of the, like, I, looking back, I should have used all my assets. Like, yeah, you got TNA, work it. <laughs> you know, but I was still like, I'm going to wear a plaid button, like wearing clothes that don't go with your body type at all, like a plaid button down shirt, the same stuff you wore when you were flat chested and had no hips. Right. You can't wear that now. Right. And then like purposely buying pleated corduroy pants as if that was going to help my situation. You know, like I should have gone full flash dance. <laughs> But I was the nerd. Like, I went to camp the summer of sixth grade. Everyone else, it was all about flash dance. People were cutting sweatshirts. People were reenacting dance numbers. Like, I hadn't seen the movie. Right. So I was once again in the dork class. Oh, no. And I didn't, like, I was always resisting. Same thing in high school. Like, just model yourself after Whitney Houston or Janet Jackson. That's who your role model is. Yeah. And I li- I went and saw Whitney Houston. I liked Whitney Houston. But it's like, but I'm not Whitney. You know, I got to find my own thing. It's like, just copy that. <laughs> You know, just try to be her. Like, (laughs) what's wrong with you? Try to, you know, I like, I wanted to be Sheila E. I wanted an asymmetrical haircut with blonde highlights, but it's like, no, it'll be way too, it'll be way too, like, I was still working the preppy thing because my dad always wanted us to be preppy. What's your dad? What did your dad do? Um, He was an orthopedic surgeon. Okay. So I was, you know, that was, you know, at the public school, I guess I mostly had white friends because there were two buses in sixth grade. The one that picked up all the black kids, which was, I believe, the number 42. And then there was the seven, which picked up the white kids. And I walked because I lived like it was a neighborhood where on my way to school, I walked past a furrier. Amazing. And then I remember like in the beginning, my dad said he had gone to the principal's office and there was some kerfuffle in the office because they were like, well, she they assumed that I was bus 42. And then it was like, no, she walks. And there was like an audible gasp. <laughs> she walks. She lives within a mile of a furrier. Oh, no. And still work because in North Carolina, being preppy is everything. At least the school. I went to like. We're in North Carolina. Uh, Charlotte. Oh, yeah. I've went, never been, but everyone. Uh, yeah, I went to it. country day school. And it was like. In the preppy handbook, which was this book that came out. Yeah, someone was just telling me about that, that they read it. Like for real. Oh, Zandy Hardig, uh, David oh, really? Wayne's wife. She was meanwhile going to Spence, but she oh, was oh, like oh, a, an sounds... Upper West Side Jew <laughs> okay. going to like the waspiest girls' yeah, yeah. school in the world, and she was like, "I read it without irony." Like, I <laughs> yeah, read yeah, it exactly. Like, like, like I, yeah, this exactly. is what I'm supposed to wear. This is what I'm this is to your do. Bible of what you're supposed to do to fit in with these people because it was supposed to be an ironic thing that that's, that's how my dad bought it. Like, isn't this funny? But it was like I got to get an Adobe necklace and yoke neck sweater and you know yeah. the whole thing, and then I was still carrying that over. But by the time I got to Minnesota, it was more about, you know, the blue Nikes that had the other dark blue swoosh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just had no, pr- I, I had no personal style yeah, and clearly needed personal style, like wear a skirt. But I was always a tomboy. So it's like, I'm not going to wear skirts. Yeah. I'm not going to be prissy and wear a skirt to school. Well, that's part of it too, right? Is when, if you're tomboyish and then your body starts to change, like I just hid everything. Oh yeah. I didn't yeah. hide it like I was, you know yeah i didn't hide it like uh like i was ashamed of it i was just like i mean maybe i was yeah but i guess i just remember being like and also baggy were. clothes were like in yeah 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 but i definitely yeah i remember feeling like i don't want anybody checking me out the yeah. way they're checking her out they're gonna snap your bra strap because sixth yeah. gra- i mean sixth grade i was openly fondled like Ugh. it was like public school i remember All being openly off. fondled by a crossing guard with a flag what? In a hall, like guys would just come up because there were only a few girls that had boobs at that point in sixth grade. Yeah. And it's like they would just come up and grab your boob. Are you? And then, I, <laughs> and I actually reported it to Mr. Krachewski, our bananas. science teacher, and he kind of talked to the guy. All right, Wayne, cut that out. 
I mean, I got punched in the face by a guy in sixth grade. What? Horrible. It was like we were in science. This is like what every parent who doesn't want to send their child to public school thinks happens. Yeah, I was like, we're in science. I don't even remember what sparked the incident other than the fact that his father was like an abusive alcoholic. I found out later. But it was like, I just remember standing by the chalkboard and just my chin going up, the world, just the whole world kind of stopping for a second, spacing out, and then a bunch of people jumped in. The aforementioned Mr. Krachewski, probably some students, jumped in, pulled us apart. I'm assuming he got sent home for the day. And then, oh yeah, then no, then there was a further threat of face, after Daniel. school, after school, oh my God. after school, we're going to wrap. And I was like scared, but I'm like, I have to do this. Yeah. And then sort of by the end of the day, it had dissipated and cooled off and the after school well, fight never happened. Yeah, it's like, face. how could it peak beyond punching me in the jaw? Oh my God. And I didn't tell my parents. Like, uh, anytime someone. Oh, like, I didn't. T- yeah, I didn't. You know, tell it's my like, no, I got to handle it on my own. You know, it's like, because yeah. I did, then you're that person. Then you're like, oh, you're weak. Like the first day of school in Charlotte, this is pre junior high, but this really shaped it. It was like some kid just, I don't know, he must, we must have been in class and he just came up and said it. The N-word. N-word yeah. And then I was like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? So I didn't really, like, I just waited till after school, and then I saw the kid riding by on his bike, and I, like, just grabbed him by the collar, shoved him against the wall, and was like, don't you ever call me that again. Like, roughed him up a little bit. And he was terrified, flat up. Never had a problem after that. Except the beginning. Every year, once a year, like clockwork, it would happen. Like, fourth grade, first day of school, as we're changing class. And do you think that that's something that, like, they just... I'm always interested in a, a person that young, like how much of it, just like you were saying about like, I didn't know what my style was or I didn't know. you know Yeah, I mean? yeah. It's like how much of that is just like the kid who's like, I know I'm not supposed to say this. I don't have any personal feeling attached yeah, yeah. to it. I just, I can't not see what happens. I have yeah, to see yeah. what happens. Or was it genuine racism? I not think, to say there's that much of I mean, a difference, yeah. <laughs> but like, it, I think it, it was like a chance is. of, ooh, I can try it on a live one, you know? <sighs> Because I was probably, I was the only black person in lower school at that school. And so it was like, oh, I got a chance to, you know, experiment, try it out. But the other guy, you know, but it would always be in a place where, like, I would be the troublemaker. Like, looking back, that would have been the way to play it. Go to the principal's office. Hi, Mr. Hagerman. This student called me. Like, then it would have set the tone. Like, then I would have been, they would have been bowing down at my feet. Exactly. As well they should have been. Yeah. But... I mean, to do it as we're changing class the first day was a pretty punk move because it's like, and he kind of, the fourth grade guy kind of whispered it. And then by fifth grade, I was an old seasoned hand at this. So when the guy said it, he sat next to me, this guy, Mark, he sat next to me and I stabbed him with a pencil. So then, of course, he yelped and was like, oh, she stabbed me. He's like, she stabbed me in the leg with a pencil. And I was like, and he called me up. <laughs> and then the teacher was like, all right, all right, everybody, that's enough of that. Oh like, there, God, um, the there was no, there was no principal's office that time. Honey. Yeah, yeah. It was like, let's just pretend oh that didn't God. happen. Can you imagine? I don't like the idea of being the teacher in that situation. I know. Like, and she well, hated both, me already. Uh, yeah, yeah, she already disliked me because I had two friends in the class. That I was always goofing off. Obviously, I was a problem. But I look back now, it's like I needed to be at a school for like crazy, emotionally disturbed genius kids that like set their own schedules and wrote novels and did creative stuff. Yeah. It was never challenging enough. Yeah. Never. I would come home, lock myself in my room, do my homework, be bored, and then just get up to mischief. 
what other so did you disappear into I mean because you talk about making mischief and stuff and and I think especially someone who has the drive to kind of create their own stuff that early did you also like disappear into books that you loved oh, or yeah, like constantly. movies and TV that you were I sort was of constantly watching well fifth grade was my watching like 13 hours of TV a day I don't even know like where my mother was, what was going on. I had a little black and white set in my room. Did your mom work too? Dating myself. No, she just, she sewed. She was okay. like a sewing person. And do you have siblings? Person. I have one sister, okay. one older okay. sister who okay. kind of was like, she, like if I had told her, she would have been like, I'm going to come down there and smash some heads. Yeah. But she, she kind of had her own problems. Did she get in trouble too? Um, No, she was more of like a, yeah, so what if I didn't go to class? You know, my dad, why weren't you in school today? I was in school. I might not have been in class, but I was in school, you know? Yeah. She was just more, but she like, for some reason, I swear she never really got in trouble. You know, it was like, okay, we're going to, you don't like that school. We're going to find another school. It was like. The way she played herself off. Yeah. Somehow she was able to get Like it was just kind of like, she just is more fearless than I am. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was the like. That's so funny. Trying to be good. So fearless. Oh, totally not. Like trying to follow the rules and not want, you know, I never, that's the thing. I never wanted to be in trouble, but I didn't learn like control your tongue. Yeah. That's what's getting you in trouble is your like psychological operations that you practice on people. Because I think, I think the actual accusation and the expulsion, it, it was like. Something about because there was a girl that had been in the rumbling nights that we decided she's too stuck up and snooty for the group. So we need to excommunicate her. Okay. So we wrote a letter, an excommunication letter, oh, which, no. you know, she broke the code and showed it to the principal or whatever. And then it was like this campaign of intimidation and harassment. But she was another person where someone came to me and reported like, oh, you should you know, you weren't there in art. You don't have art class with us. But she painted her hand black and said, oh, I always wondered what it was like to be Danielle. So then, of course, me, old reactionary me, I march up and I'm like, oh, yeah, what if I painted my hand white? What if I did this? Oh, yeah, da, da, da. Like, you know, totally called, confronted her. She ran to the bathroom, shut herself in a stall. So then now I'm the person that's like bad because if you cry, you win. And I refuse, like, I was just never that person. Like, I'm not going to just be a crybaby because then I'm going to, you know, get the attention of the teachers and whatever. Yeah. And I could never really prove it. And then it was always like, we don't want to hear the details. We're just going to send you home. Well, I think that you were set up at a very young age, even by virtue of being, you know, it's just tricky because it's like you're, there is a natural isolation that can happen. Like what, like are, are any of us ready to say in the world that we live in right now, are any of us ready to say like, you could have existed as the only black girl in a uh, school of yeah, white yeah, people yeah. And, and felt like you were one of them. Exactly. Like, that's never going to happen. With this that's hair. just not the world that, <laughs> that we, we still don't live in that yeah. world. Uh, maybe someday somehow we will, but it's like, that's that certainly not in, in North Carolina yeah, or, not, Minnesota. You know, or Minnesota. And so it's hard not to, you're already set apart. Like by exactly. virtue of nothing you've done whatsoever. Yep. You're already set apart. You see the difference. They see the difference. And I can totally understand how that would create this kind of stalwart, like, I'm not going to go to the white adults and, like, make myself their Jesus Christ right, and, like, right. make myself the victim. Right. I'm just me. I'm a lone wolf. And, like, yeah, exactly. that's how I'm going to deal with it in a lone wolf manner. Yeah. It totally I mean, makes sense. Yeah. So then I, then in turn, they were totally against me. And it's like, never mind that you're the headmaster's daughter is part of a, it was more the principal that couldn't stand me but and he was then he i guess left the education industry he was a mormon he moved back to 
you know, Utah or Salt Lake City or whatever. So it's like I broke him basically like the man because he had been in education for a very long time. And I was like, I broke you. <laughs> See, oh, that's ya. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, because I'm sure he probably felt like did was he? Um, I mean, all due respect, I, my, these guys know my mom is my mom's family is Mormon and I some of their some of the nicest people in the world. But I'm there's there's a certain amount of like. I'll try to fix you in the way that I feel I know how to fix you. And mm-hmm. then after that, God help you. Yeah. <laughs> so it does. It's interesting to me that he was. Yeah. I mean, I think he felt like, why do I, why does this always get dumped in my lap? And then the big conference, cause then there was some woman that worked in the office and there, there was some big conference that they had. And then at the end there was like a, an ultimatum, like, all right, we're going to have a conference. We need to have a parent conference and we need to get everybody in here and we need to get a counselor in here. And then my dad was like, I'm not airing my dirty laundry to that school. You're coming out of that school. And then it was, I, so I was, there was a period of like two months where I was not in school and it's totally weird. It's like, Oh, that's all I know is getting up, going to school. You feel totally like worthless and useless. It was like purple rain had been out at the time. It was around the time of purple rain. And then I, you know, took the entrance exams and then I got shipped off to go. The idea was I was either going to go to boarding school or I ended up living with my aunt and going to another exclusive day school for girls in the and this Pittsburgh is a, area. When, when is this? This is I like know? 84, eighth grade. eighth grade. And that was when this got written, when I was like living at my aunt and uncle's house, attending the Ellis School for Girls. Wow. Which had both a winter and spring uniform. Did that have now when pe- when you hear about people troubled smart smart troubled kids being sent away <laughs> sometimes you end up in an environment full of people who are in a similar boat but was that not the case with um, you when I was you get just to- I was just no it was just like a it was a normal day school cuz that, that was the thing my dad's like well I think it would be better if you lived with family and then years later I was like digging through a file cabinet and I found my test results and I had bombed all the standardized tests like you didn't have cuz I that was always my thing like up oh, 99th percentile except in math and spatial relations. But it's like, okay, so he was just protecting me from the fact that, oh my God, if I can't even get in it. But you know, his idea was basically you have a turbulent home life. If you weren't in this turbulent situation, you wouldn't really have these problems in school, which was accurate. And then when I got there, I was the new girl, but I guess it was, I was something interesting. I came in in January, so it was like, they were all bored. It was winter, it was Pittsburgh. And here came this unexpected person And then the eighth grade operetta, which was Guys and Dolls, is like the penultimate experience of that first through eighth grade. So I come in, and and I had never even heard of Guys and Dolls. So, you know, the choir director is like, okay, we've selected a musical, and, you know, it's Guys and Dolls. And everyone was, yes! Like, people have been campaigning for it and wanted to do it. (laughs) That's such a big deal. And then I, and we all had to, it was like, it's a chorus class, so everybody had to audition, quote-unquote, and then you were either going to be a part, or you were going to be like, bum number seven. You were going to be, instead of the hotbox girls being like, seven girls, it was like, 20 girls. (laughs) You know, like high school play cast of thousands. Uh, Everybody has to have a part. Yeah. And even then, I was so snitty about that. Like, why does everybody have to have a part? But whatever. So I end up getting Adelaide, which is like, okay, it's, oh, it's a huge part. Like, and then unbeknownst to me, uh, pissing off this girl named Amy. And I remember people's last names. I just won't say them right now for the sake of whatever, but I'm sure they don't care. But... She had had her heart set on being Adelaide since who knows how long. So then there was a minor, like, you know, there was some shade thrown (laughs) that like, oh, who's this person who blows in and gets a big part in the show? 
And I had like, Adelaide had a number of songs. I think she has like seven songs maybe at, at the end of the day. And then it's that classic like field day thing of, can you give away one of your songs so you don't have too many oh, so that Amy, you know, and then, yes. and then, which I always felt like that's the worst thing you can teach people. Like, don't live up to your potential. You're too good. And it's scaring yeah. people how okay, and, competent and, and, and you are. And then for the other person, like, the only reason you got yeah. this <laughs> is because we took pity on yeah. you. <laughs> so she, you know, and, and so then I was like, oh, I know. I'll give her the stripper number. Because, I mean, looking back on Guys and Dolls, they basically, I don't know, I guess they were like showgirls, like... There I've was, never seen it. Yeah, by well, the way. It's, it's basically Adelaide is this woman who works at the Hot Box Club, and she's dating. She's been engaged for fourteen years to Nathan Detroit, who's like the top. You know, he's the one that runs the crap game in New York. So it's super inappropriate for young people. It's to super do. inappropriate. <laughs> it's an all-girls school with like girls dressed up like dudes playing like it. Slim. I'm playing Scranton Slim. By the way super what I would have wanted. <laughs> like if I were given the opportunity you would want to, to be a guy? audition for the guy's role, it would have been like, I'm totally, I, I think I thought I was that person. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I am going to play. Like I got to play Puck in a Midsummer yeah. Night's Dream and I was like, I, I did it. No, Janet, a lot of the time Puck is played by a girl. Oh, oh, so yeah, I'm I, the I, only one who cracked so, ooh, this But open. you were doing Shakespeare high class. Well, uh, we didn't know what So we that kind of saved me, like having the musical, having that to do just gave me something. I mean, you know, school was fine. I did well with that. When you say not to pry too much, even though this is a, I might, this might, I should call this a pry cast instead <laughs> of a podcast. But um, when you said that your dad was kind of saying like, well, you have a turbulent, turbulent home life and that's why your school life is crazy. Mm-hmm. What was turbulent about your home life? Um, Parents splitting up, but like that thing of like, but we're pretending we're not like, it wasn't, it was like my dad's moving out, but it wasn't like, and then we're getting a divorce, da 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 Because at, at school, at least you knew the people, their parents are divorced. Right. Or their parents are together. There was no gray area of yeah. like, my dad lives in a different house, but he comes over and they're not divorced. I was very proud about, they're not divorced. It's like, but they don't live together. Yeah. They're on their way. They're well on their way. Yeah, that weird in between, I think, is, it is almost, it can almost be harder because my parents did the same thing. And when you're little... Like, like it's their right. I mean, it's yeah, any parents, right? You exactly. know what I mean? They have to live their lives too. And if they weren't ready to get a divorce, then they weren't ready to get a divorce. Yeah. But for kids, it's so confusing because there is that part of your brain that's like, is this going to be over and then things will be the way right. they were? Or is this like, should I believe all my friends yes. and this is just the beginning of the end? Like, exactly, what is this? Exactly. It is more tumultuous. And you're reading like, It's Not the End of the World by Judy Bloom. Oh, and, Judy Bloom. You know. Such a sanctuary. Oh, I know, so man. Starting from... Fifth grade was like, you got to read Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. And then I read all of those. And then I would read like horror novels. That would be my thing. Or, you know, then I read, you know, of course, Flowers in the Attic and all that stuff. Oh, my God. How many times did I read Flowers in the Attic? And so salacious. Like, so I was so... And I had no siblings. So this idea of incest and stuff didn't really, like, mean anything to me. So, like, I had friends who had brothers and sisters, and they were like, oh, my God, that is so repulsive. And and I knew that it it must be. But when you literally have nothing to, like, really compare it to... Yeah. I didn't even I have know, any, I, like, I, cousins that I, you know what I mean? I didn't like, have that brothers, I, so it was... Yeah, it was just kind of like, I and I know, think it I seems pro- all right to me. And like, everyone kept saying, oh, the scene, you gotta see the one scene. And it's like, I don't even think I picked up on it. I just watched yeah. the Lifetime movie recently. Uh, no, no, no. I fully had to watch it. <laughs> I was like, well, I gotta check this out. And I remember the movie version from before. Yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. Victoria Tennant in it. But before. the book... Yeah, the book... And I would like, read all the Mary Higgins Clark books and... 
But I like. Is she know, like a mystery? She's like yeah, like single woman kind of solving mystery. That's pretty great. I mean, it's. I swear that's a case of I had a great title and then I wrote the book. Yeah, loves music, loves to dance. What is this going to be? I guess I'll just get yeah. started. <laughs> and all the all the mystery books, they were all John Saul books, which I'm sure is a like pen name, but you know, it's, when the wind blows, comes the blind fury. Nefat, you know, it'd always be a really bad thing happened in 1863 at this house, and then in 1963, you know, a hundred years later, a new family moves in. Right. But the ghosts haven't settled from the other. You know, I was totally into <laughs> stuff like that. I was too. Is that, and I guess that's something that a lot of young people are. I think, I mean, the, I guess it stretches beyond being a young person, this idea of like a good mystery. I mean, we yeah. do love a good mystery. And women watching. About? like, And then as an adult, you know, all those like forensic files. Like I, I actually have, I, I went through a few years where it's like, oh, forensic files. Because yeah. I like seeing people busted in lies. Right. <laughs> you know, like the crazy lie that they're going to tell and then how they get scientifically proven to be liars. Because I mean, that's how- what I always want. In seventh grade, I was like, I'm going to be a civil rights attorney. I need, you know, to fight for justice. That I was convinced. Like, I know what it's like to have, you know, you don't even get to say your side of a thing. And then it's already prejudiced against you that we're not we're going to dismiss anything you have to say. Like, I'm basically acting as my own defense attorney. And there's like five people on the prosecution and there's no kind of, oh, that shouldn't come into evidence. You know, it's just yeah, you're not, not a legal proceeding in any, in any way. And then my parents were of that old school of like, now the man said you did this, so you did that. You know, like Interesting. always just siding with like, I guess the thinking of like, you're not going to beat the system. So just don't, you know, say pick your battles. It's only seventh grade. Right. Don't make such a big deal out of it. But yeah, that's all you know. That's your whole world is seventh grade. But it's hard to when you're trying to it, like that's that always gets confusing for me as well with I mean, even just like the affirmative action stuff too. just like. Do you pretend like everything's at a even place now and then we do what like fake it till you make it like yeah yeah your dad just wanted you to, to be to respond to the environment as if it had nothing to do with race yeah exactly but, like exactly. how do you do like, that when that it's still it? at play exactly. it's so tricky did they believe in like affirmative action stuff like um, what do you, have, you know, did you have comfort like did you have racially infused conversations with your parents not so much con- well definitely i mean my parents are from the south so it's like they grew up in that, you know, we got the crap school. We went to the, we had to go to the school where all the blacks went, which had the worst books. We do something in pottery. And at the end of the class, they throw it back into the pit because they didn't have enough clay to like let people, because my dad had this like, they're the sculpture of a frog and of a man. And he's like, it, the miracle is that they actually let me put something in the kiln and like keep it. Like yeah. every piece of clay was recycled. Mm-hmm. So I sort of, and then my, I have an uncle who just passed away, who was this like huge civil rights lawyer, like written up in the New York Times. And we used to, oh, we're going over to Uncle Julius. Like we'd always hear about Uncle Julius, but it was like, he was pretty much instrumental in getting desegregation in a number of areas in North Carolina. His house was bombed. His office was bombed. You know, he was very, very, so that, like looking back now, I'm like, I said I wanted to be a civil rights lawyer. I was related to a civil rights lawyer. How did I not become a civil rights lawyer? Right. You know, like, what don't, you know, I ended up being like, oh, I'm on a sketch show. Like, what? <laughs> and then you tell, oh, I'm changing, you know, I'm sh- holding up a mirror to society. It's like, yeah. yeah, but you could be doing that for $500 an hour. Uh, you know? Yeah. It's so funny. At least. It, instead, you brought the money into it. <laughs> instead of being like, I mean, I could be doing it pro bono yeah. for the masses. <laughs> Listen, I could be making a lot of money. Yeah. But that is, I mean, did you feel, did you feel a sense of, like, do you remember? 
remember having a conversation with yourself as that started to, as you started to pull away from the idea of wanting to be a civil rights attorney? Like when did that? I still thought. How I did mean, that dream shape I always itself thought, and then Oh well, you know what? Because that's the thing. I just kept ending up doing theater, like the guys and dolls thing. That was, everyone was so blown away by that, and blah 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 blah. Oh, where does she study voice? Did it like it, actually in sixth grade? We had we must have done some little thing, and the camp leader of the camp was like, called me into her office. Of course, I was like terrified. And she's like, I think you should take singing lessons. I'm going to get on the phone and call your mother and tell her that when you get back, you need to start you know, studying voice. And of course, my mom's like, yeah, just blew it off. Mm-hmm. Like everything. You don't want to take piano lessons. You're going to get bored and quit. Ah, you don't want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to discourage every dream you have. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to make you quit taking gymnastics. And so it wasn't, I don't want to drive you there. You know, it was always like... What did she want for you then? Um... I don't know. I don't know. I guess, I mean, I really have no idea. It's like, I, I know, like, I'm looking back, it was more, and I get that now because I have my, I'm like, if I could just never leave the house, I would kind of do that. There's part of me that's like, oh, I want to go out, you know, just, I want to just be in a nest. But, yeah, I sure but get it. it was more just, she was making excuses because it's like, that involves me. Like, she was the anti stage mother. Whereas other people, it's like, I'm going to shove my kid out there. I don't mind driving you. I, you know, I'm going to live through you. It was kind of like, yeah, I guess it was more of a thing of, you'll be fine. Mm. You got talent and uh, brains and ener- energy and, you know, education. I don't have to do anything. You know, life's going to take care of itself, which is, I've clearly reflected that attitude. But um, I guess just because I kept doing theater, but I was fully in, you know, I was like, whatever. I don't know what I'm going to major in, but I'm going to get a PhD in it. Mm. And then, and I'll do, I'll do community theater. I can be like a doctor and then just for fun, do like the local play in town. And then it just kept getting pushed more and more to like, maybe you should really do this. Maybe you should actually like study this. You clearly, I don't know. I just guess I kind of lost interest, but I, I clearly am bad at long range planning also. You know, I look back at college. It's like, I should have done more reading. I should have been more serious about it. Other people came in with a really specific goal, mm-hmm. you know, and even like college, like North, it's the same pattern, Northwestern. University, good school, good in the arts, good in a lot of things. But when I told this guy I was coaching gymnastics senior year, and this parent of one of the kids was like, Northwestern? That's just a white milk school. I can't believe I mean, it's not even whole milk. It's skim. It's not even skim milk. It's whole milk. I can't believe you're going to Northwestern. Oh, my goodness. Blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, what did I get myself? Because Northwestern has the largest Africana collection like in the country or something for its library. So I'm like, Northwestern will be safe. Mm-hmm. It's got it's not racist because it has a large Africana collection in its library. Mm-hmm. And then you get there freshman year and it's like all the black people. First of all, it just always seemed like people made friends. Like I make friends, but I, over time, you know, I'm never the person, like there were always those people that the first week were like, oh, they already have like 10 friends. Right. And they're like going to parties and events. Like I'm just like sitting in my room writing letters home about how homesick I am. Yeah. And then all the black people, first of all, they were all like majoring in engineering. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, I'm in the engineering club. Like, oh, so and so, what are you registered for? Like, there were these people having a conversation, and I'm like, oh, wait, I can't be friends with them. They're all journalism majors. Yeah. And they all have classes together, and they all live in the same dorm. And then you had the people that were like, like, to join, I didn't rush, and most of the people at Northwest were rushing sororities like the first week. So you get there, and it's like, I was roommates with a Tri Delta, like, queen of the Tri Deltas, and her two friends across the hall were Tri Deltas. And this other girl that tried to glom onto their group, but she was from like a small town in Missouri 
and not quite what they were looking for. So she ended up in like a worse, a crummy sewer. Or she, I think she dropped out of Rush because she didn't get a bid. That whole process. And I, then I she, should talk to somebody who actually <laughs> has co- positive things to say because I never talk about sororities or fraternities on the podcast anyway. And uh, just as it happens, it hasn't come up that much. But like, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I just don't have any positive associations with it. I, I can't well, help looking it. Looking back, because I remember, like, I got it in Northwestern, and then they, I got this thing in the mail that was like a poster tube, and it was you unroll it, and it was like set sail with Delta Gamma or something, and it was the whole thing. It was a very stylish. It kind of looked like a poster for Anything Goes, uh-huh. and I was like, "What is this? Oh, Sorority Rush set sail, blah blah blah." And then as soon as I saw pay $30. I was like, I don't know, anything you got to pay money for? Mm-mm. That's a scam. That's some kind of mm-mm. something right about it. Like immediately I just discarded the whole concept. Yeah. But it's like, okay, I guess the sorority is more like, it's going to make you be cute. Like it's going to transform you to be like, we're going to make you be hot. Mm. We're going to make you No, Don't date that guy. Date this guy. You're fat. Do-da-da-da-da. You know, like, I only know this from watching, yet again, some Lifetime movie. You know, like, I love those movies where it's like, she goes off to college freshman year, and then either the roommate dies, or there's some hazing incident, or, you know, Von Oy is tortured by the oh, sorority God. that she joins. So they, sh- you know, there's a candlelight. But I was, like, again, it goes back to the prissy thing. Like, I got to dress semi-formal for round three, and then a candlelight. Ser- like, it was trying to sort of give you a little grace and train you, but of course, it has that other side of, like, most of the people, they were really into it freshman year. They'd go to these date parties where you, like, go to formals, and you get a picture taken. Maybe you're a freshman, so you get sucked into a few car washes, and then they all sort of lose interest as they get older. Yeah. But everything you described, too, especially from the difference between being somebody who, you know, you got there and your immediate impulse wasn't just to glom on to someone to have a friend, like whether or not it really was a fit or made sense. Um, that's basically the polar opposite, right? Is like, yeah, exactly. Come, like, <laughs> come, we'll give you insta yeah, community yeah. and yeah, instant exactly. place and instant, you know, a group that you can a belong net that to. you can fall that you can drop into gently when you come into college, yeah. opposed to even it's like even I if never it's like was, I never was like in groups, and I am used to being torn asunder and ripped, you know. But I was always, I always was funny, like move it we're moving third grade you know i always would make jokes or i I would do impersonations or people would like me for that and it's like oh i got invited like i can't believe i got invited to a slumber party because i had been on the playground this is sixth grade and i was like doing an impersonation of the guy from what's happening that got them the tickets for the doobie brothers concert amazing and this girl just thought it was so funny and then i was like oh i'm going to her slumber party of course had to go buy pajamas because i can't i had no good enough pajamas to bring to the event but and no then, one was smoking at the post. No one was we smoking. There was no untoward. It was just a lot of, yes, it's completely, I do not advocate it. But it was like, you know, that was kind of how I made friends or like survived. But yeah. then you'd go to friends' houses and it's like, and this is my maid. Hi. Like, and it's that one like black person to another, like, uh-huh, the secret stare. Oh. Like, mm, what's your name? You know, like they're trying to get your name. Because Charlotte is a small enough town that it's like, oh, you're, what's, is your daddy a reverend or a doctor? Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I can tra- Like they can trace you if they get your name, even maybe even your first name. They can try to trace where your kin comes from. And so it's like, like going to my friend's house after school to work on some book report and her maid, like, I remember that her maid made us turkey sandwiches, this woman named B. And I was just like, someone makes sandwiches. Like I had to pack my own lunch. Sure, like sure. someone makes sandwiches for you. And they were like, good. Sa- they were like turkey sandwiches. Like 
a lot of turkey piled and folded and like mayo <laughs> I'm sure and, like fresh carved yeah, turkey yeah, totally. that's, your job. <laughs> that's your only job is to like do those things yeah in a uniform in a gray yeah. uniform oh wow and I like yeah I would always be like oh this is my maid Ivy hi oh hello oh like that pleasant surprise like she'd never yeah. bought a black child home before yeah. <laughs> she go to school with you <laughs> I mean, it really is like not to tell you what to do but like this does seem like it could be a great book or a great movie because to have that experience of like not ever like to to not have your not to not have a community of people who sort of look like you do yeah. if you will and then to sort of not be a part it does feel like you and especially in the south like that you would exist in between right yeah. they would just exist in between it's like, like you go to the who white... are my people i mean that sounds horrible and like as a <laughs> yeah. white person i shouldn't be able to say that but like i don't know i feel like that's you know what i mean yeah i was like the roma of my well we okay i lost my train of thought you Charlotte. probably because I, because I said who are my people and everyone no, like, no. <laughs> everyone who listens is like you can't say that and I don't mean that in a racial way but like I think we all want to yeah. know oh. that and some of us take it for yeah. granted because yeah. we're in a community of people where we're just and surrounded you know what? by even those whatever people, that means whether it's those, gay yeah. straight you know bi black white Asian or a bunch of theater misfits who yeah. are mixed races and mixed yeah. gender finally, preferences like, and da, I da, found da, the da. theater people but I was a person that um, I was in. I was diff- groups from different people from different groups liked me. Like I was definitely a the- in theater, but I was also on the gymnastic team. So it's like I wasn't fully I at the jocks. To be good at gym, <laughs> like gymnastics stuff. I, and I was never fully like you know I was a theater person, but I wasn't the person that's like I'm wearing a black trench coat and I'm doing an internship you know, right? at the local. You know, right. like I wasn't that cool. Well, also I, I went to prom. Like, you know, yeah. I was kind of like trying to. And then, you know, like I said, I was on gymnastics. So that kind of, it was the same thing. Like I was going to go out for cheerleading in high school. And then I was like, I went to like the first, they have these little kind of workshop things where they teach you some very basic cheer type things. Keep on trucking. Woo, woo. Right. And <laughs> I was pretty, cause I knew like, well, I always wanted to be a cheerleader. My, in preschool, I was like, I want to be a professional cheerleader. That was my like goal that I wanted. And my sister was like, that's not a real job. You can't do that. And then it was kind of like the same thing. Like, oh, if I'm a cheerleader, then I'm all these other things. Then I'm popular. Then I'm pretty. Then I'm stuck up. Then I'm whatever. So I can't be that, even though I totally wanted God was like, but I feel like I have enough energy that I could literally help someone score a point yeah. in some game. I feel like I need to have that energy on the sidelines. And so I went like the first week and I knew I'm on the gymnastic team so I can do back handsprings and stuff. Even of the cheerleaders so I had, cool. not many of them could do back handsprings. That's like, to me, that's like a superpower. Being able to do gymnastics. <laughs> I think I can, my hand, I have an injury, but I could still do a back handspring oh, if it came down so to great. it. And so then I like dropped out after a few days of doing it. And it's like, you totally would have made it. And then on game day, you could have worn a cheerleading outfit to school and the Red Sea would have parted and it would have, once <laughs> yeah. again, then you would have been cool. Then you would have come into college cool. Then you wouldn't have been a nerd. Then da 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 but it's like, it's like going back to junior high. It's like, I mean, that's pretty much where it all went wrong. That's like probably one of the lowest points of my life. Yeah, It was just horrible. And, and like, luckily I was, I liked studying and I did theater whenever it would come up, but it was still like, it's just, I mean, it's a horrible time for everyone, but for some people, it's like some people I swear just seem like they did not sweat. Some people seem like they did not have that. Like for one thing, I never had a bra 
like sized other than the, okay, here's a bra on a box. That's a 28 day that stretches in all directions <laughs> that they just give you. So it's like, it's Best awkward. Luck. Best you can't luck. have like nip buds bouncing yeah. around underneath your t-shirt. Right. So here's a bra, which I was scared. I would, instead of wearing a bra, which is why I have saggy boobs to this day, I was too embarrassed because it's like people that wore them would get their bra snapped. Yeah. Or like worse, could disconnect it, yeah. right? Like guys figured out how to do it from like the oh, back. Right. That would oh, happen God. to me. Like, yeah, some oh, guy, man. some stupid asshole would come up and I wouldn't feel it happening. And all of a sudden my bra oh, would like pop. I would have died. And I would, yeah, I would be like <laughs> horrified. So wearing like, I would just try to buy bras really fast. Mm-hmm. Like if I'd be at Target, I'd be like, there's a bra, just grab, like no sense of get a size, figure it out. Yeah. And then, you know, the kind of bras where it does, the strap is just a thing that pulls through. Like there's a loose flap. There's uh-huh. not, it doesn't reconnect. It's not a continuous loop. Right. You right, know right, what I'm right, saying? Right, 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 right. No right. matter if it moves, it might shift, but it's not going to come unhinged. Yes. So yeah, the double hinge, the hinge on the front, the hinge on yeah, the back. Like, is it's like, just like a, you know, just mi- all minefield, day, all minefield. day. Zip, yeah. Zip, hoisting that thing up. And there were a couple of times in gym where it's like, all right, 50, you know, jumping jacks. And it would just be like, and it's out and it's coming. <laughs> and it's out. And my boob is out. And my boob is out. And I got to stick my arm and my shirt and try to figure it. And I got to pretend I got to go to the bathroom and readjust it. Going to the bathroom to readjust it because your boob fell out because the bra doesn't fit. And then being embarrassed about the whole thing. So like, again, like I can't tell my mother never had a bra that fit just like random sizes all over the map. Doing gymnastics with a bra that doesn't fit, not good. I mean, it is interesting that you couldn't, and you couldn't talk to your sister either. Like, it wouldn't have occurred to yeah, you to like, be like, Yeah, like, it didn't even occur. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. she was very like, like stay out of my room, you know. Yeah. Your shadow crossed the door of my room. You know, like, all right, sorry. You know, she was definitely fully in her. She had her own little world in there. Like, she had, we would move and we'd get our rooms remodeled. And so I, I would always just go with baby blue. Like, all right, I'm going to get baby blue with white accents, which matched my furniture, my seven-piece furniture set from Gabbert's, which was this, like, fancy-schmancy furniture gallery. Bachelor's chest, nightstand, twin beds, desk, and bureau. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my sister was like, I want one room mint, and I want one room lavender, and I want track lighting and take out the carpet. Oh. It was like... Total Miami Vice, like, cool, yeah. ahead of its time room. Yeah. And I was just the more like, yeah, let's go boring and conservative. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. I don't even think the people in the group, in the popular group, they were also faking it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, I was mm-hmm. so, like, as a black person, I never had a, like, there was a girl in the gymnastic team who was like, I totally wanted to be her. Her name was Heather. She was a good gymnast. She had no body fat. She was really sweet. And everyone one day was giving her all this, like, badgering her about, like, okay, what kind of conditioner are you using? And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, if you're going to bleach it, you got And I was like, you dye your hair? And yeah. everyone just looked at me like I was, like, she had, like, an inch of black roots. But I had no <laughs> concept that, like, that's bleached. She's not yeah. a natural blonde. Yeah. And then... That's amazing. Same thing with sunburn. Like, people, I'd come up and be like, hey, like, ah! Sunburn, don't touch me. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what this is. I'm not familiar with this concept of sunburn. I'm sorry. That's amazing. That's but, amazing. Yep. Just glad it's, glad it's over. Glad but in it's a way, over. you're right. Like, it's never over, you know? know? On the other hand, it's like, there's still that part of you that's like, eh, I'm the insecure, sweaty. I don't worry so much about that, but I was always convinced that I, like, stunk. You know what I mean? Oh, God. I I hate that that's something that you ever felt. Like putting on dry idea deodorant, but never quite sure. Just because I was always probably 
You know, you're wearing like a wool sweater and yeah. you're running around. Like you and do also, sweat a little a bit. And teenager, teenager stink. Like we yeah, all yeah. are excreting all kinds of God <laughs> yeah, knows what. crazy hormones Yeah, absolutely. Out. I'm sure I was my smelliest <laughs> when I was a teenager. And like going to gym and not taking a shower afterward. Like the idea that you would have to take off your shirt. Oh, I couldn't. I What? No. Like just 20 showers sitting unused. I everyone going to class have, stinky. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> Nobody was going to be taking off their clothes and like taking a shower. As if you had anything to see. That seemed absurd to me. (laughs) Like there's nobody who's going to do this. Um, We are uh, at the point where I would love to get some mash going. Okay. Um, Although God knows I could talk to you forever. Uh, I can't believe how fast this just went by. But um, but uh, I was going to quickly say to your point, um, this is like a whole separate podcast episode, but... A lot of what is happening in LA just feels so much like junior high and mm-hmm. high school to me. And so the idea of it never yeah. ending still feels like even just, I mean, I'm sure for you, you yeah, know, even- getting a breakdown and being like, Oh, yeah, for like, sure they want to hire any ethnicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For but sure. the character's name is Kelly O'Brien. I know. You know. But they're going to go a different way with it. Yeah, it's like in many in Minnesota was very much like that. Like all the people that were getting jobs were all like, "I'm half black, half white. I have really soft, wavy, curly hair." And there was a lot of like model. Like the biggest gig you could get in Minnesota was like if you got a Target commercial, mm-hmm. you were like made. Mm-hmm. But I, I got a regional commercial there, but. Only again, because I could do trampoline. They had people, you had to do like tricks on a trampoline. And God damn it. Like- <laughs> yeah, let's love it. All right, so let's get into some okay. mash. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to start for dish just for fun. And uh, obviously, mash, mansion, apartment, shack, house. But let's get three hmm. cars, your, your like ideal car. Okay. That you drive three. Bugatti. Then let's go with Jeep. I don't know the model, but some sort of Jeep mm-hmm, rock mm-hmm. climber. And let's say, ooh, should I do for fun, like a really crummy one? Or should sure, I just why say, not? Um, Whatever you want. Let's say a PT Cruiser. Oh, oh, that's so good. <laughs> All due respect to those of you who drive a PT Cruiser, but P-U Cruiser. Uh, not a fan. You know, my friend Cole used to have one because his parents gave it to him. It was like he inherited their car, you know, when they got a new one. And um, it couldn't have been a less smooth ride. Yeah. <laughs> I rented one once. It was and like, it was... I felt like I was like rolling around in a cardboard yeah, box. Yeah, I feel like, like I can't no... remember the specific. I mean, I just remember it had a built-in like real clock. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, it's for nostalgia for people I that know. nail roadster. But it's like. It's so not. It doesn't cool look roadster. like. Yeah, it it's, doesn't. It does. It like fails on both levels. It, there's like not good for the present and not a good reflection of the past. Um, all right, let's do three. Um, let's do three movies that uh, you can just jump inside and like live inside whenever you want. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Love it. Um. Okay, live inside like I'd want to live inside it. Yeah, like you just... could go in and like hang out with the characters or like just live the lifestyle okay. or feel oh, yeah. the way um, the movie makes you feel kind of thing. Uh, let's say Heather's, which is kind of a bad choice. But if you're the right Heather, then I guess it's not. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty interesting world, though. And uh, I'll say Star Trek. Oh, I don't. Okay. New or old? A, a general, general, a Star general Trek. vibe of a Star Trek situation. Got it. Got it. Um, okay, let's do uh, three places that you have like a vacation home. Oh, uh, Fiji. Great. Have uh, you been? 
No. I haven't either, but I was in New Zealand and everyone's like, you've got to stop <laughs> off in Fiji on your way. I'm like, I, no, I'm like being, I'm like, I'm going there for a reason. I can't, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But this idea of like, Stopping it's off. so close. That's for some reason, that's something that people say. Well, all right. And I'll say the Swiss Alps. Love. Also never been, don't speak French. And I guess I will hedge my bets safely again and then say like somewhere else warm. Hawaii. Great. Somewhere in Hawaii. Again, general Hawaii. I don't know enough about it. Me neither. neither. Oh, which island though? Oh, don't go there. You might as well be living in this case. Yeah, no. Uh, Agreed. You know what? I've actually never been, but I am going for the first time soon. And uh, and already people are like, oh, you're going to the big island? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) Everything's really expensive there. It's like, it's Hawaii. If you are from Minnesota, it's Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, three... This is going to like, I'm stretching you a little bit because you're an improviser, but three, uh, you have written a new musical. Okay. Uh, it will be about one of these three things. What, what, what is your, what is Danielle Gaither's contribution to the musical world? Name three. Uh, a musical about, um, let's have one about have something with a farm. Great. Farm life. I mean, it's kind of been done, but it never gets old. And a musical about... Uh, it's kind of been done again, but I'm going to say like uh, a beauty shop. Love it. Yeah. Who cares if it's been done? This would be uh, your version. <clears throat> and a musical about, it's been away since, uh, oh, a musical about like transportation in Los Angeles. Oh, great. Um, how easy is it to imagine like on theater row on Santa Monica, yeah. <laughs> someone doing like a 75 seat theater yeah. production of a, a, I kind of love it. A transportation in LA. Wonderful. Um, three, this is my personal favorite uh, category. Feel free. If you don't care about stuff like this to tell me you don't want to do it, but I always enjoy the fantasy of three foods that you can eat however much you want of oh, with zero consequences of any kind. In fact, um, it's healthy. Yeah. This thing is now of benefit to your health if you eat it. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, chocolate chip cookie dough, raw. Oh, God, yeah. Um, ooh. Um, God, I eat that so much chocolate chip cookie dough as a teenager when, like, it had zero effect on me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I felt super oh, I ate sick it. I used afterwards. To, yeah, but I used like, to, because my sister's like, don't eat that, you'll get worms. So yeah, my oh, because of the raw eggs <laughs> yeah. in it. That turned it. That's and I would bullshit. put it. I would keep it in the bottom drawer of my dresser and like unrefrigerated, so I could eat out of it. <laughs> <Probably not wise. laughs> I love so it. I wouldn't get caught eating it. And uh, didn't Ben and Jerry's come out with an ice cream flavor that I used to eat all the time? That was chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Oh yeah, it was like it's blobs like of dough thing. in it. Yeah, oh, so good. And then let's say, um, I mean, I feel like it's not that bad for you, but I guess it is. Let's say, oh, oh, like a. Uh, that's another dessert. Let's say it's spaghetti. Even right. though spaghetti, I'm not. The jury seems to be out, but yeah, my spare tire begs to differ. I mean, carbs are. I mean, I don't know. I wish that I could say that my body didn't react negatively to them in terms of. And then, things, but... yeah, what else could you eat without consequences forever and ever? I guess like bagels. Oh, God, I miss bagels. Bagels, the most fattening. I miss bagels. The, the most innocuous seeming thing. I know, it's where like you're it's like, bread. Wait a minute, <laughs> this is just a bagel. Come on. What do you mean yeah. it's like eating five slices of bread yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it turns out I mean, to be? it's just... And also, bread also shouldn't be bad. Like, I bread's know. delicious and wonderful. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, everything in moderation. 
Um, all right. Uh, okay, next thing is going to be um, you wrote you you wrote a, a book or books that uh, someone else you know has taken credit for, but it turns mm-hmm. out you actually wrote wrote mm-hmm. the book three. Oh, three books that that I yeah could have like written? oh oh you actually wrote are you there God's me Margaret well thank okay, you because okay, that okay. is a wonderful uh, book I'd have to say um ooh ooh uh there's a book by Nora Ephron I believe it's called like Diary of a Teenage Nothing or something to that effect it's almost like a coffee table book and it's her saying entries like dear diary mom read you got it got it uh. It's a not really a book, but we'll cheat. A Raisin in the Sun, Great. which I think many people are trying to rewrite that. And hi, I don't read. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's another great book? Uh, Audre Lord, Zami, a new spelling of my name. And is it Z A M I? Audre Lord. She's like Haitian lesbian. Feminist, brilliant, raw, real, like, here's my life story, no holds barred. Or, you know, it's like, she's kind of like Maya Angelou, but I know why the cage bird sings, I guess, would be like a close fourth. Like, that's the book you want to write, but it's like, I can't say that. I can't tell that that happened. Yeah. And I certainly can't say it as eloquently. Okay, next category is um, person, you know, your sort of fake uh, spouse or lover. Let's say Spencer Reed from Criminal Minds. As portrayed by Matthew Gray Gooblery. Smart, but unassuming and clean cut. Right. But not too clean cut. Gotta have a little, a little rough around the edge. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next. Oh, 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 three? Three. Oh. Ah, <laughs> uh, sh- I could barely dig that one up. Oh, man. So we're talking like not actual marriage, just like maybe Whatever live with and deal with. Yeah, I like to I like to keep it wide open. Could be a one night stand, could be a marriage. Um Okay, so let me just see. Some kind of like quarterback. The college right. quarterback that you never had, you know, like yes, uh, yes. Let me think of a quarterback. You can fill in that blank. People hate him, but I'll just say Colin Kaepernick, so there's not a blank space. I, that's the only quarterback I can really think of. Somebody that has both ears pierced. Got it. Like, I'll remember be able to read what I just when guys can't... For, he's a quarterback for the 49ers, but it really doesn't... It could be any football player that has two pierced ears. Great. Got it. Where it's like, yeah, my name was Ladarian, but you know what? <laughs> I made it. Like, it's not even like... That's just a thing now. Like, you made it and your name is like Shimarcus. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Like, that's okay to have those names. All that, like, oh, yeah, you can't name your kids these crazy names. It's like, actually, you can. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Uh, and then last one. Um, someone, like, wise, mature, distinguished. Let's say, like, oh, yeah, who was the guy that was the voice on Charlie's Angels? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, Blake something. Yeah, yeah, you'll know. I, I can't think of his name. Angel. Always look it up if you need to. I think he was married to Linda Evans at some point. I can't believe I can't remember his name. I feel like I have his face in my head, but I... Yeah, yeah we'll you do, you up. know, like... We'll look it up. If I had an intern, that Or sort of how, like, James yeah. Brolin looks now. Like, I'm distinguished, yeah. and I can get things done. Yeah. 
I will argue for <laughs> you when you're convicted of yes, murder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, and then final category. Three other careers that you do instead of what you do now. Doctor, lawyer. Some person that like runs a business, you know, where I just sit in an office and I just tell other people how dumb their ideas are. Yeah. Like I don't, I can come in and look at your whole business and in two seconds tell you why it doesn't work. The five people that need to be fired and tell you to do this or that. Yeah. Like I just, I have a, a knack for getting involved with organizations that are highly unorganized and mismanaged. I'm never in a position where I feel like I'm the new person. So I'm like, well, I can't really point out the 10 things you could do. The three things you could do right now to make this better. Cause that would be rude. Okay. So I'm putting in a efficiency expert and then just now tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. So I'm pausing this. I will come back to reveal your 100% guaranteed future. Okay, uh, very exciting, very exciting developments. I want to first congratulate you for your home in the Swiss Alps. Thank you. Yes. Don't mind if I do. Indeed, don't mind if I do. Um, and possibly, I don't know, like it's just a house in the Swiss Alps, but maybe just being out in the countryside is what has inspired you uh, to write the new hit musical that takes place on a farm. Mm, okay. But uh, well done, because it's Good. nice to, to broaden the musical world. It's going to kind of be like it's, it's a black farm, too. You know, so it's like right. Lil Porgy and Bess meets Oklahoma kind of a thing. Yeah. Just like would take place in the Swiss Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like that you're in this kind of hilly country because you're getting around in your Jeep. Yay! Yeah, that totally makes sense to me. Um, And uh, I also want to say, and possibly this is something that influenced uh, this new musical that you've done as well because you did also write A Raisin in the Sun. Yes! Okay. Very, very well done on that. Yes. And uh, makes sense, it makes a lot of sense based on the conversation that we just had. Uh, Your second career as a lawyer. Mm. Good. Um, you finally didn't had really the wanna... chance to also do the That's things right. that you thought, and you're making five hundred dollars. Writing those wrongs. That's right. Four or five hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you know when you just want to kick back and relax and eat all the bagels you can without mm. having any ramifications. Indeed, becoming smarter, uh, healthier, and stronger. Um, you are sharing this all of this stuff with your uh, your quarterback. Husband's oh. boyfriend, uh, Colin. So congratulations. Okay. Okay. On I'll probably get sick of him. Life. I'm okay. already sick of him. You're but. welcome to get sick of him. This is all you. You can do as much result as you want with this character. Um, Danielle, thank you so You're much for welcome. doing the podcast. I'm glad this I so made it. Fun. I'm glad I made uh, it. I'll say in the intro how you and I know each other, but you're just somebody that <clears throat> I would have really as crazy as doing that show that we did the pilot for yes. together would have made us both. Like it would have been a joy to work with you. I know. Day, so I'm glad I had a reason to see you. And, uh, uh anything you want to tell, uh, these guys, uh, I love watching you in a show that I brought up to Sketchfest too, which is the black version, yes. which is, uh, something you've been doing for a while. Yes. It's just, I'm loving that the show. Uh, we're still doing it. You know, there's always chatter of making it bigger and better yeah, you and guys should have a TV doing show. more things with it. So I'm hoping that that, that goes. It should be on television. And uh, I will be, I did act opposite the BET Honors Entertainer of the Year. Was it NAACP? Anyway, I did, I was on Kevin Hart's sitcom oh, that he has nice. on BET. And he He's was very, very cool. cool. He was yeah. like totally professional. Yeah. He can turn it on and off. Yeah, I did a pilot with him like eight years ago or something mm-hmm. and i was like if he can keep his feet on the ground yeah <laughs> and it seems like he kept his feet on yeah. the ground it's pretty cool 
That's great. All right, cool. Um, uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. I thank Danielle once again. And um, you better get into your Jeep and get out of here. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.